0: Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Bible Reading Podcast, episode number 309. Today's big Bible question How can we have a profitable hope in hard times? Plus, what are the spookiest stories in the Bible? Part two. Well, happy Saturday, dear friends. Our Bible reading today includes 2 Kings 13, Psalms 119, 121 through 144, Hosea chapter 5 and 6, and 2 Timothy 3. Now, before we continue our discussion of the five spookiest Bible stories, I would like to focus a moment on Second Timothy chapter three. In this passage, we see two very well unencouraging or disheartening truths: Number one, the last days or the end times will be hard. they will be partially hard because judgment will come on the earth. But Paul says here that they will be hard because people will just be so full of sin now. We should pause for a moment and consider the sins that will make things so hard, because many of them that Paul lists here in this passage aren't on our list of the worst things to do. Pride, for instance, disobedience to parents, loving pleasure and loving money, being demeaning to others, loving ourselves, lacking self-control, reckless, ungrateful, having a kind of religion but one that is powerless because... You aren't embracing Christ or following him. Now, I honestly can't imagine a more accurate description of the dark side of our current social media age uh, than what Paul gives uh, is uh, in 2 Timothy 3. It would seem that the advent of the internet, social media in particular, has just fanned the flames of so many of these sins that Paul mentions here. Paul also says that literally everybody who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Now, does that mean that every true Christian who pursues God will be burned at the stake? Well, probably not. But it does indeed mean that there will likely be a cost to pay, an ongoing cost, in faithfully following God. A cost professionally, a cost in popularity, and a variety of other costs they will be difficult times. Now, does it mean, on the other hand, that every person who labels themselves a Christian will be persecuted? Again, the answer is no. Only those who actually pursue living a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. So what does Paul tell Timothy to do in the midst of hard times like that? Well, he points him to the Word of God. So let's read our passage, 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1. But know this, hard times will come in the last days, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, boastful, proud, demeaning, disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy, unloving, irreconcilable, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, without love for what is good, traitors, reckless, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God holding to the form of godliness but denying its power, avoid these people. For among them are those who worm their way into households and deceive gullible women overwhelmed by sins and led astray by a variety of passions, always learning and never able to come to a knowledge of the truth. Just as Jans and Jambres resisted Moses, so these also resist the truth. They are men who are corrupt in mind and worthless in regard to the faith, But they will not make further progress, for their foolishness will be clear to all, as was the foolishness of Jans and Jambres. But you have followed my teaching, conduct, purpose, faith, patience, love, and endurance, along with the persecutions and sufferings that came to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, and yet the Lord rescued me from them all. In fact, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, Evil people and impostors will become worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and firmly believed. You know those who taught you, and you know that from infancy you have known the sacred scriptures, which are able to give you wisdom for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is profitable for teaching for rebuking, for correcting, for training in righteousness so that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. So when things are going bad and the world around us is burning, when people are walking in pride, self-love, and powerless religion, the people of God must continue in the truth and word of God, remembering that the word of God is inspired by God and that it is profitable, profitable and it makes you complete and equipped. So in hard times, like the kind of hard times we're facing today, flee to Christ for refuge and continue persevering in the word of God so that you might have hope and be equipped to overcome in dark days and hard times. So a short, last, challenging word on this subject from Pastor Tim Keller. 2 Timothy 3.12 says, All who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. It doesn't mean every day. If you look at Jesus, you'll see people loved him and were attracted to him. Look at the book of Acts. We see people were attracted to the church and yet people persecuted the church. If you are always being persecuted, you're probably not living right. You're probably being obnoxious or something. If you're never being persecuted, you're probably being cowardly. Do you hear that? You have to be like Christ, says Keller, who attracted people who were awed by him and also repelled people who hated him. Nobody ever considered Christ merely pleasant. If you're always being persecuted, there's probably something wrong with you. You're not living like Christ, but if you're never persecuted, you're probably chickening out somewhere. Those are strong and stark words from Pastor Pastor Tim Keller, but I think he's really nailed it there, and that's a challenge to us. And now, one more of the spookiest stories in the Bible. Okay, that was terrible. I'm sorry. Uh, We will finish up the series tomorrow, but we've got a good one today from 1 Samuel chapter 28. Now, you Bible scholars probably knew this would be on the list. Because a very, very strange thing happens here. Saul, S-A-U-L, is the first king of Israel, and he has made many, many mistakes in his reign. Fortunately for him and the rest of Israel, he has had a great advisor in the prophet Samuel, a mighty man of God. Throughout most of Saul's kingship, he has had Samuel as his advisor, a person who was older to give him wisdom, to point him to the commands of God, and to help Saul repent when he sinned or disobeyed God, which happened frequently. Unfortunately, in our passage today in 1 Samuel 28, Samuel has died. And Saul is facing the biggest threat of his reign as king, and he doesn't have any trusted advisors to talk to. So in desperation, Saul hatches a terrible plan. Even though God's word warns in multiple places not to do what he decides to do, Saul decides to try and speak to his mentor Samuel from beyond the grave. So he goes to a medium, which is a person who speaks to the dead. Uh, This medium's name is the Witch of Endor. And once again, the Bible sternly forbids going to mediums, psychics, etc. We should run from these sorts of things. And surprisingly, when Saul goes to this medium, it works. And Samuel rises from the ground to speak to Saul. And so we see it in 1 Samuel 28, verse 8. Saul disguised himself by putting on different clothes and set out with two of his men They came to the woman at night, and Saul said, "'Consult a spirit for me, bring up for me the one I tell you.' But the woman said to him, "You surely know what Saul has done, how he has cut off the mediums and spiritists from the land?' Why are you setting a trap for me to get me killed? Then Saul Saul swore to her by the Lord, As surely as the Lord lives, no punishment will come to you from this. Who is it that you want me to bring up for you? The woman asked. Bring up Samuel for me, he answered. When the woman saw Samuel, she screamed. And then she asked Saul, Why did you deceive me? You are Saul. But the king said to her, Don't be afraid. What do you see? I see a spirit coming up out of the earth, the woman answered. How scary was this situation? Well, let me tell you. It was so scary that this witch slash medium, who I presume had tons of experience with this sort of dark thing, screamed in terror. That's pretty frightening. When the witches are scared... We know things are scary in the extreme, but more to the point, at least least Saul got success, right? Even though he disobeyed the word of God, eh, he got what he was looking for, advice from his mentor and advisor. Except, as we read in verse 19, Samuel says, The Lord will hand Israel over to the Philistines along with you. Tomorrow you and your sons will be with me, and the Lord will hand Israel's army over to the Philistines. Immediately Saul fell flat on the ground. He was terrified by Samuel's words and was also weak because he had not eaten anything all day and all night. Oh dear, the advice that Saul was seeking didn't end up being helpful but horrible and Saul was terrified, and indeed, he was killed after a battle that very week. It would seem that disobeying God's word is even more terrifying than ghosts and witches, right? May we learn wisdom from Saul's mistake. We continue in Second Kings chapter 13, verse 1. In the 23rd year of Judas, king, Joash, son of Ahaziah, Jehoahaz, son of Jehu, became king over Israel and Samaria, and he reigned 17 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight and followed the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit. He did not turn away from them, so the Lord's anger burned against Israel, and he handed them over to King Hazael of Aram and to his son Ben-Hadad during their reigns. Then Jehoiahaz sought the Lord's favor, and the Lord heard him, for he saw the oppression the king of Aram inflicted on Israel. Therefore the Lord gave Israel a deliverer, and they escaped from the power of the Arameans. Then the people of Israel returned to their former way of life, but they didn't turn away from the sins that the house of Jeroboam had caused Israel to commit. Jehoiahaz continued them, and the Asherah pole also remained standing in Samaria. Jehoiahaz did not have any armies left except for fifty horsemen, ten chariots, and ten thousand foot soldiers because the king of Aram had destroyed them, making them like dust at threshing. The rest of the events of Jehoiahaz's reign, along with all his accomplishments and his might, are written in the historical record of Israel's kings. Jehoiahaz rested with his ancestors and he was buried in Samaria. His son Jehoiash became king in his place. In the 37th year of Judah's king Jehoash, Jehoiash, son of Jehoiahaz, Jehoiahaz, became king over Israel in Samaria and he reigned 16 years. He did what was evil in the Lord's sight. He did not turn away from all the sins that Jeroboam, son of Nebat, had caused Israel to commit, but he continued them. The rest of the events of Jehoiash's reign, along with all his accomplishments and the power he had to wage war against Judah's king Amaziah, are written in the historical record of Israel's king. Jehoash is rested with his ancestor, and Jeho- Jeroboam sat on his throne. Jehoiash was buried in Samaria with the kings of Israel. When Elisha became sick with the illness from which he died, King Jehoiash of Israel went down and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots and horsemen of Israel. Elisha responded, Get a bow and arrows. So he got a bow and arrows. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, Grasp the bow. So the king grasped it and Elisha put his hands on the king's hands. Elisha said, open the east window, so he opened it. Elisha, Elisha said, shoot, so he shot. Then Elisha said, the Lord's arrow of victory. Yes, the arrow of victory over Aram. You are to strike the Arameans in Aphek until you have put an end to them. Then Elisha said, take the arrows." so he took them. Then Elisha said to the king of Israel, strike the ground, so he struck the ground three times and stopped. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck the ground five or six times. Then you would have struck down Aram until you had put an end to them. But now you will strike down Aram only three times. Then Elisha died and was buried. Now Moabite raiders used to come into the land in the spring of the year. Once, as the Israelites were burying a man, suddenly they saw a raiding party. So they threw the man into Elisha's tomb. When he touched Elisha's bones, the man revived and stood up. King Hazael of Aram oppressed Israel throughout the reign of Jehoiaz, but the Lord was gracious to them, had compassion on them, and turned towards them because of his covenant with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He was not willing to destroy them. Even now he has not banished them from his presence. King Hazael of Aram died, and his son Ben-Hadad became king in his place. Then Jehoiash, son of Jehoiahaz, took back from Ben-Hadad, son of Hazael, the cities that Hazael had taken in war from Jehoiash's father Jehoiahaz. Jehoiash defeated Ben-Hadad three times and recovered the cities of Israel. Hosea chapter 5 verse 1. Hear this, priests. Pay attention, house of Israel. Listen, royal house, for the judgment applies to you, because you have been a snare at Mizpah and a net spread out in Tabor. Rebels are deeply involved in slaughter. I will be a punishment for all of them. I know Ephraim, and Israel is not hidden from me. For now, Ephraim, you have acted promiscuously. Israel is defiled. Their actions do not allow them to return to their God, for a spirit of promiscuity is among them, and they do not know the Lord. Israel's arrogance testifies against them. Both Israel and Ephraim stumble because of their iniquity. Even Judah will stumble with them. They go with their flocks and herds to seek the Lord, but do not find him." He has withdrawn from them. They betrayed the Lord. Indeed, they gave birth to illegitimate children. Now the new moon will devour them along with their fields. Blow the ram's horn in Gibeah, the trumpet in Ramah. Raise the war cry in beth Look behind you, Benjamin. Ephraim will become a desolation on the day of punishment. I announce what is certain among the tribes of Israel. The princes of Judah are like those who move boundary markers. I will pour out my fury on them like water. Ephraim is oppressed, crushed in judgment, for he is determined to follow what is worthless. So I am like rot to Ephraim and like decay to the house of Judah. When Ephraim saw his sickness and Judah his wound, Ephraim went to Assyria and sent a delegation to the great king, but he cannot cure you or heal your wound. For I am like a young lion, like a lion to Ephraim and like a young lion to the house of Judah. Yes, I will tear them to pieces and depart. I will carry them off and no one can rescue them. I will depart and return to my place until they recognize their guilt and seek my face. They will search for me in their distress. Hosea chapter 6. Come, let's return to the Lord, for He has torn us and He will heal us. He has wounded us and He will bind up our wounds. He will revive us after two days and on the third day He will raise us up so we can live in His presence. Let us strive to know the Lord. His appearance is as sure as the dawn. He will come to us like the rain, like the spring showers that water the land. What am I going to do with you, Ephraim? What am I going to do with you, Judah? Your love is like the morning mist and like the early dew that vanishes. This is why I have used the prophets to cut them down. I have killed them with the words from my mouth. My judgment strikes like lightning, for I desire faithful love and not sacrifice the knowledge of God rather than burnt offerings. But they, like Adam, have violated the covenant. There they have betrayed me. Gilead is a city of evildoers, tracked with bloody footprints like raiders who wait in ambush for someone. A band of priest murders on the road to Shechem. They commit atrocities. I have seen something horrible in the house of Israel. Ephraim's promiscuity is there. Israel is defiled. A harvest is also appointed for you, Judah, when I restore the fortunes of my people. Psalm one nineteen, one forty five through 176 I call with all my heart. Answer me, Lord. I will obey your statutes. I call to you. Save me, and I will keep your decrees. I rise before dawn and cry out for help. I put my hope in your word. I am awake through each watch of the night to meditate on your promise. In keeping with your faithful love, hear my voice. Lord, give me life in keeping with your justice. Those who pursue evil plans come near. They are far from your instruction. You are near, Lord, and all your commands are true. Long ago, I learned from your decrees that you have established them forever. Consider my affliction and rescue me, for I have not forgotten your instruction. Champion my cause and redeem me. Give me life as you promised. Salvation is far from the wicked because they do not study your statutes." Your compassions are many, Lord. Give me life according to your judgments. My persecutors and foes are many. I have not turned from your decrees. I have seen the disloyal and feel disgust because they do not keep your word. Consider how I love your precepts. Lord, give me life according to your faithful love. The entirety of your word is truth. Each of your righteous judgments endures forever. Princes have persecuted me without cause, but my heart fears only your word. I rejoice over your promise like one who finds vast treasure. I hate and abhor falsehood, but I love your instruction. I praise you seven times a day for your righteous judgments. Abundant peace belongs to those who love your instruction. Nothing makes them stumble. Lord, I hope for your salvation and carry out your commands. I obey your decrees and love them greatly. I obey your precepts and decrees for all my ways are before you. Let my cry reach you, Lord. Give me understanding according to your word. Let my plea reach you. Rescue me according to your promise. My lips pour out your pr- pour out praise, for you teach me your statutes. My tongue sings about your promise, for all your commands are righteous. May your hand be ready to help me, for I have chosen your precepts. I long for your salvation, Lord, and your instruction is my delight. Let me live, and I will praise you. May your judgments help me. I wander like a lost sheep. Seek your servant, for I do not forget your commands. Amen. Well, dear friends, may the Lord bless you and keep you. May his face shine on you. Good day and Godspeed.